What's up, everyone? It's your host, Thomas Kopelman, and this is The Long Game Podcast, a podcast about turning passions into purpose. In each episode, you'll hear highly motivated individuals share their stories of pursuing their passions, taking control of their destiny, and ultimately living their purpose, leaving you inspired to follow their lead. Thomas Kopelman is a financial advisor at RLS Wealth. All opinions expressed by Thomas and his podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of RLS Wealth. This podcast is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes. It should not be considered advice. Consult your financial advisor, tax, legal, and any other advisors you have before making any decisions regarding your financial plan. Welcome to the latest episode of The Long Game. Obviously, this is not Thomas Kopelman. This is Justin Costelli. And to celebrate a 1,000 downloads of The Long Game, we decided we were going to flip the script and we were going to interview Thomas to tell his story. So, Thomas, welcome to your own podcast, The Long Game. <laughs> hey, thanks for doing this. I mean, you did the first episode and now we're back with the celebration having you on. All right. Well, let's get right into it. So uh, for those people that this may be their first episode, it'd be kind of weird for them to be tuning in for the first time on the episode yeah. that you're giving. But if people out there don't know your story, give your brief background um, for them. Okay. So honestly, probably there are plenty of people that only know me as the financial advisor because I don't think many people listen to like the prelude episode, but I, I get that. I don't think I ever have either. But my journey kind of is an interesting one because similar to you, basketball growing up was my life and so was sports. Like I don't think in high school I ever thought about the job that I was going to do, which sounds kind of weird. But at that time, I mean, basketball was what I put every second of time into outside of school, did the bare minimum at school, did fine. But outside of school, it was basketball all the time, AAU tournaments to, to high school to just trying to get recruited, which was really cool and a really good opportunity. And I think one that played into who I am today because I don't think without basketball I would have learned to have the work ethic that I have. And I was listening to this podcast earlier that was with a guy who used to be like a famous actor, athlete, and he was talking about how he likes to always talk to people and like, you know, he can right away be like, oh, I know where you're from. And the the other person was like, well, do you feel like that's an ego thing? Like that you just like to feel smart. Which was kind of funny because of when I went back, I think growing up and being really good at something, like not to, I'm not like trying to chew my own horn, but like in Rockford, everybody knew me solely because of basketball. That was, that was really it. And so I think when you grow up that way, when you try to think about your career, you, you have to do something that is fulfilling and something that you feel good about and something that you want to really dive in and get to know really well because you've always been known to be good at something. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really hard as an athlete to disassociate from being really good at something that other people care about, Mm -hmm. which I feel like this was almost kind of like a revelation to myself in the last while of why I love doing financial planning. But my journey was grew up in Rockford, basketball was life, went to Minnesota state to play basketball. I had D one offers. I had D two offers, but I Minnesota State was the best basketball school I could go to and also the most normal. Like I, I, I didn't really want to go to an Ivy League or some of the other high major like academic schools that I had because everybody there was like, you know, basketball is fun, but my life sucks. Like mm-hmm. I hate everything about it besides basketball. And I didn't really want to sacrifice my life for little enjoyment for just education and something that could produce more money long term because I'm not that money motivated. But at Minnesota State, it wasn't really the best situation for me. Not not only just because of basketball, like basketball went 
pretty well. Like I came into the season hurt, had a bunch of tears in my ankle, rehabbed everything, and finally got to play right when the season started. And things went well. We were good. We were top 10 in the country. We were winning games. I was playing a decent amount, but I was unhappy the whole time. Like it, I I think the I, the expression of like the, the candle burned out, like I just, I didn't love it anymore. And for a while I was wrestling with, do I leave? Do I stay? Like I work so hard. Do I have to do this? And I remember talking to my coach and my parents about it. And they were like, but you've worked so hard. Like you have to do it. But my mindset was I work so hard. I don't have to do it. Mm -hmm. Like I was the one that earned the opportunity to do it. And I promised myself once this became a job and I didn't love it, that that was the time that I was going to quit. So, you know, after a lot of thinking and realizing that this wasn't the place for me to grow as the type of, of guy I wanted to be, it wasn't really the school that I wanted to learn at, I decided that leaving was the best option, but I didn't know if I wanted to play anymore. And so I explored options, you know, UND, you know, other coaches I knew, you know, there's plenty of places I could have went and played, but I couldn't get my head wrapped around that this was going to be fun or something that I, I really wanted to do. And I knew my whole life that I wanted to go to Butler. My brother and sister-in-law went there, had an amazing experience, small school, good people that really push you to, to be your best. So went to Butler and had no idea at all what I wanted to do. I did six internships from Eli Lilly and marketing to a couple consulting firms to insurance. And I hated all of them. Like I love, I loved the people at all of them, but not any of those jobs did I leave like, man, I would love to be hired here, mm -hmm. which is weird because most people would love to be hired at Lilly. It's a great company. Just the work wasn't fulfilling or fun to me, even though I know like you're helping patients and, and some of that stuff. I just felt so far away from the patient that I didn't feel like I was really helping. I don't know if that's the right viewpoint, but that's really how I felt. And so luckily my senior year, I had somebody reach out and I know there's a lot of bad associations at broker dealers and, and all of these things, which we don't really have to get into. But, um, luckily I, I got this job offer. I was actually a day away from taking a job to work in logistics mm -hmm. and selling like truckloads and doing all that, which man, I'm so happy didn't happen because I, I just thought that's what I was going to have to do. But I ended up getting the, the job offer, took it. And when I started working in financial advising, I didn't know anything about it, which is kind of scary because in those models, you start to work with clients right away and you only know what they teach you and they don't really teach you how to do planning. They teach you how to, to sell products. Um, but I got, honestly, I got so lucky. Like even though it wasn't the right were the perfect first place. It was a good first place where I had autonomy. I got to learn and create my own process and who I wanted to work with. It just was missing the ability for me to market myself. Like the, the structure they took there was call everybody, you know, and basically convince them to have a meeting without telling them what you do. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, hey, you know, I think I could add some value for you. Let's sit down and see if there's any mutual benefits. Like that, that's the training. And then you sit down and then in the first meeting, you pull out a pamphlet and you like go through and they're like, whoa, I thought we were getting coffee catching up. You're literally trying to sell me via pamphlet first meeting, which was kind of weird. But I think throughout that beginning time, what I really learned is that people are hungry for financial advice, millennials especially, and there's no way, there's no, not very many people who serve them, but also where I was at was not the right place to serve them. There just was no good model to help. Everything was around selling product and most millennials don't really need products. They need advice and they need to figure out what to do. And so 
I knew after meeting some people and getting into the advisor growth community, which you obviously know a lot about since you run, that there was a way better model out there and that it was actually possible to do this. I could actually market. I could have a podcast. I could write and I could attract the right type of people through the way that I thought was the right way to do it. And I didn't know where I was going to go though. I mean, Russ Ford, you, there was a lot of opportunities I had. Once I spoke it into the world that this is what I wanted to do, it felt like opportunities just came left and right, which I think is another important point that we talk about on the podcast is just, you can't just expect to get what you want without ever expressing it. Like you have to talk about it. And luckily I feel like I almost like brought it into my world. And I remember talking to you for the first time at an XYPN event in December at Carmel and we like hit it off and it went really well. And we're like, all right, we'll meet again. And I remember in the second meeting, we were at the well over here coffee shop. And I was like, what would I have to do to work with you? Like, I'll take like just the bare minimum income to be able to just pay my expenses. Like, I don't care what it is. I want the opportunity to work with you. And somehow after all of that and you saying, you know, just months before, I'm not growing RL, I'm not growing the firm. I don't really want to add any more clients. This isn't the focus. You took a shot and said it was worth it. And for me, that was probably like the most pivotal part of my career is like the opportunity to actually have somebody to learn through and grow through and like just somebody to see of who I admire that I want to be like. Where I was at before, there wasn't anybody like that. There wasn't anybody that knew who to serve and knew how, how to market. And that's a really hard place to grow in. And so it kind of all came full circle and now I've been here for a year. Mm-hmm. And you just earned your raise. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but you're right. I mean, I remember the first time I met you, I was like, man, it would be, he would be a good addition to the team, but I don't want to grow. Like I want to spend my time helping other advisors grow their businesses and then we just kept on meeting and ultimately like I, you talked about speaking into the universe. Like I spoke into the universe that no, I don't want to grow, but I also realized that sometimes things come to us when they're supposed to, and you just have to open yourself up and kind of trust that maybe there's a reason this is happening. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a smart decision. It's been a blast not being by myself all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously Darlene's here, but you know, yeah. not from an advisor capacity and being able to do content and also, it's been kind of cool for me to see, okay, I have this view of the way an advisor can grow. Let me see if this blueprint works. You follow the blueprint to a T and you're seeing crazy growth right now. So it makes me feel good that, hey, I know a little bit. Um, also has identified weaknesses of mine, but that's not today's podcast. Yeah, um, but- I, think, I think part of it though too, and hopefully that you feel this way is that like, I can see the hesitation of bringing somebody on because I think about it in the future of like hiring people, how exhausting it'll be in the beginning to like get people up to speed and train them and whatever. But hopefully through this first year, you know, that is slowly change and I become autonomous enough that like I almost take stuff off your plate then like I'm always adding things onto your plate right right no it's there's I've, when we when you get to the point of making your first hire um, there's lots of things that go into it uh, there's those things but also um, just like the responsibility of another person mm-hmm. like, there's lots of other things that go into it as well and then you have the whole compliance component all those other fun things that advisors have to deal with yeah. but let's get back to your story so We've kind of gotten the, the backstory of basketball, how you've gotten here. Um, like you, I didn't think about my career. I didn't even, when I graduated college, I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. Because um, I thought I was going to go to law school and I pivoted. So um, thinking of where you are today and how you've gotten here, how does the life that you've created 
for yourself align with and allow you to live out your purpose. You know, we talk about alignment and purpose and passions a lot at RLS Wealth. How does RLS Wealth and what is it you're doing allow you to, to live that yourself? Yeah, it's funny because in the beginning, I never thought about purpose really until I started to to work with you. But growing up, my parents preached like purpose, to be honest. They, they didn't say in the way of purpose, but like my mom worked at a church that she was super passionate about. And my dad was the CFO of a pretty large printing press. And he had an opportunity at one point where he was getting ready to leave. They got bought out and he was like, I, you know, I don't really want to move to Minnesota and work at now a, a national firm. And they gave him a blank check and said, what do you want to stay? And my dad chose not to stay, didn't pick the money and went to be the CFO of a mega church because he was unhappy. Like he wanted to be somewhere where he felt fulfilled and somewhere where he was surrounded by good people. And so I think my whole life, I've always known that like that, that is what I have to do. Like I can't pick a place just based on money because you know, all of the external things you get awards, money, whatever, like feel great for a minute. And then if you go back home to somewhere you're unhappy, it doesn't really do anything for you. And so the more that I've started to do this and the more that I've started to see how like not even an offensive way but how little millennials know about money I realized that part of my purpose is helping people so like back to high school like you know some of my friends I would help them and tutor them there was people I would help train in basketball I like to help coach like I've always liked to help people reach their full potential achieve their goals and you know even now like I help friends with workout programs and eating right and all that I just like helping people it's honestly the thing that fulfills me the most. And so I think in this job, I have this awesome opportunity to help have that, like, you know, the, like the light bulb go off for people of like, man, I can actually achieve the things that I've wanted to achieve. Like it's possible with the money I have. I just didn't know how to do it. And now it's super helpful to have somebody. So I think my purpose was always to help people accomplish their goals. And so like, you know, in one of my other earlier podcasts with Alan Stein, he tied his purpose to not necessarily his job, but to a deeper a deeper meaning where regardless of what job he did, that would still play a role. And so I feel like I'm going to do this forever, but if I ever did a different role, it would have to align with that. I'm helping people accomplish their goals and reach their full, full potential. If they do that, I feel like I'm doing my purpose. So give a little bit more insight into the life of a financial advisor. Like what is your life like as a financial advisor? Yeah, I think, I think this one's interesting too, because before I did this, like, I mean, you know, I had some investments or whatever, and I figured all any financial advisor does is just manage investments. Mm-hmm. And this is so not true. Like the amount of time I spend managing investments compared to just creating financial plans and helping hold people accountable and just educating them on different topics and things. I mean, it's not even close. Like the, the day is most days it's like morning. I, I spend about an hour creating content. I usually have two, maybe three meetings a day. And then the rest of the time is creating plans, you know, presenting them, emailing with clients. And, and that's about it. Like I'm, I'm very blessed to be at a place where it's not, I'm not a solopreneur. I think that's how you say it, Mm -hmm. where I do everything. It's nice to be able to, you know, we, we have Darlene who does all of this background work for us. So it helps me stay into my lane of the things that I'm really good at. Um, which enables me to grow faster, add more clients quicker because I have somebody in the background who's amazing at her job, holds us accountable and make sure there's no loose ends. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned creating content, growing your business through, uh, through that content, which is how we grow here. What's been mm-hmm. the hardest part about creating your audience and building that client base? 
I think the hardest part is sticking with it. So I'm very lucky to have you coach me through it because I think my mind worked like everybody else in the beginning where it's like, all right, first blog post up, where's the client coming from? Mm -hmm. Like you just assume that as soon as you start writing or as soon as you start putting video that like you're going to have too many clients to manage. And that is just not reality. I remember like four months in, got my first lead through social and, or three months in maybe. And I was like, man, this is crazy. That client ended up falling through, wasn't the right fit. But I was like, all right, you know what? Like, at least I'm getting some good media. I'm getting some good press around it. Like people are reading, don't have clients yet. And every time I'd kind of get low, you'd, you'd have the back, like, man, you're like, you're so far ahead. Like it just takes time, keep going. And I remember like December is when things started to click with content. I know people always talk about, you know, it takes so many touches and all of this stuff. And so I just, the biggest thing I did is I, I, I put myself on a calendar of like every Wednesday is going to be a blog post. Every Sunday, there's going to be a weekend review. I'm going to try to do podcasts once every month. Then I'm going to do a newsletter once every month. And once I picked that schedule, I've just, you know, I took the, you know, the basketball and the training in me and said that that's what I'm going to do. There's no time off. If I have a week that I'm not busy, well, then I'll find a blog post that would take me less time. I'm not going to take it off because one thing that I've learned in what I do just on my job and also working with other people's habits are like the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. And by creating good habits, it leads to good things. And as soon as I have that one week I take off, now I know I can do it. Mm -hmm. And then it could become more and more and more. So I've just stayed disciplined. I, I won't sit here and say I have this massive audience now. I mean, it's growing. Like I probably have 400 new Twitter followers in the last five months. My newsletter is over 220 now in the last four months. So it's growing. But I just think the biggest thing is discipline, sticking with it, and trusting that it's going to work. Mm -hmm. I think the the concept of building an audience and leveraging content, obviously it's big for us as advisors, but I think it really is good for anybody. Like I mm -hmm. have a blog post I want to work on about how I think everybody should be cognizant of their personal brand and creating that brand to, to, to give them an advantage in the workplace, no matter what it is that you're doing. Um, because we're, seeing the the economy move to like a creative economy mm -hmm. creators are coming out TikTok, instagram whatever it may be like the influencer you don't have to go that direction but if you have something a unique thought or you have something that you're interested in and you share that out in public you're going to find other people who like that as well and eventually those people are going to become loyal readers loyal listeners whatever it may be and then now you have this product yeah. That you just created because you enjoyed it and you found like-minded people, whether it is you want to monetize a blog, monetize a podcast, or use a blog or podcast to leverage negotiating at a new job. Yeah. You know, you think if, if you left RLS to go to another firm, you could say, hey, I'm bringing an audience of this on my podcast, this on my blog. That could mean you get paid more, you get better terms, you get more flexibility. Like that's that's value that you are building and you own that. I'm really big about owning something, whether it is owning your firm, owning your business, or owning your intellectual property through the form of this content. So I think everybody has the opportunity to do this if it's in there, if it's in your DNA. I think you yeah. should be doing that. I think it's important too, because my friends were, we were in a group chat talking last week and they're like, oh, this person we know just created a podcast, like who would listen to that? And I was like, okay, like maybe you aren't the audience. Like maybe this person is not does not care at all about you. And they're like, well, I can see why like me personally and a couple of our friends have podcasts, right? And stuff. they're like, because it brings back money to your business. But I think a lot of people are missing the point that now in the day and age we're at, like the person that creates content is 
like a, a company that sees that is going to pick that person over somebody that has never created anything because mm-hmm. now what you create is your resume mm-hmm. and your resume is becoming less important. So I think it's important for anybody, if, if there's anything that you like or learn or, or are passionate about, there's no reason not to create content or post about it and, and try to get people to, to listen. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some pivotal moments in your career and life that's gotten you to the point you are today? I think you mentioned a couple of them already, but what are some of the pivotal moments that stand out to you? So I got to give a shout out to Russ Ford because I think that'd be one. I, I remember I stumbled upon him on LinkedIn and saw his website. I was like, man, he he's talking about everything that I want to talk about that I can't. And and then I saw him out at, a, at an event and I was like, wait, are you Russ Ford? And then basically from that point, he was like, he was kind of my mentor. We would meet every month pretty much until I ended up getting this job. And I would say without the introduction to him, I don't know if I would have ever ended up in the, in the job that I'm in. So I, w- I would say that was one. I think another one is definitely quitting basketball. I think I learned a lot about myself from quitting basketball and how to make decisions for myself. I think when you're young or even you know as a millennial, it's really easy to need to bounce ideas and get approval from everybody else for your decision. But that decision is where I finally learned, you know, here's how I choose the life that I want instead of the life that other people tell me to live. So yeah, I would say those are probably two of the most pivotal. And then the third one's definitely once I got the job here. Mm-hmm. I think like the trajectory for my career went up significantly by being brought into your circle. And, you know, I think that's part of you being a good leader is like, you've helped bring me up in ways that I don't think I could have done by myself, especially not this quick. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say bringing you into the circle helped, but you've done all, like I tell everybody that you know, I may have helped build the blueprint, figure things out to speed up your progress, but you're putting in all the work, like you're putting in the reps, going back to basketball, that that's what has allowed getting into where you're at to elevate yourself. So I'll take a small amount of credit of the success that you've had, but most of it's been your work. Cause I could have brought you in here. You could have not been, you know, diligent about your content creation or being good with your clients. And you'd be no further along than you were when you're at driving. You yeah. Know? I definitely so, think it was a mix of a lot of two. Cause I think in the beginning you maybe thought I would have needed more handholding than I did. Mm-hmm. And so like in the beginning we did a lot of meetings together and got to learn. But then I think one big part was like, you let me prove myself. Like you weren't like a lot of, leaders and managers have this whole set structure of this, then this, then this, then that. And there's no way for you to like either be slower than that or faster than that. You either fit that mold or it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And you let it be kind of a figure out as we go and like graduate me into, Hey, you can manage all the clients on your own. Like we still obviously sit down and talk about every plan just because it's, I think it's always better to have two eyes on a plan and bounce some ideas, but you've let me be, on my own and be autonomous, which has helped me grow even more because I'm not just trusting on somebody to hold my hand through everything. All right. There's one other comment I had. I thought it's interesting that you, you talk about quitting basketball. I think it's interesting that you frame it with the word quit where I don't think I would have framed it that way. I just think you would have ended basketball. Like to me, Retired. quitting. Yeah. I mean, basically I mean, to me, quitting is it got the best of you and you gave up. I feel like internally quit has a negative connotation to it. Yeah. Where I do think you just, you made the decision that it's time for basketball to be done. I don't think you quit it. I think you, you moved on from basketball. Like, so I, I'm not a psychologist, but it'd be interesting to understand like the significance of you saying quitting basketball. Like, why do you say that? And what does that mean? I I actually know why I know why, because when I talked about it for a while, my mom told me that, 
you're not going to let quitting become a habit. Mm-hmm. If you do this, she's like, you can do this, but quitting is not going to become a habit. You're not going to just start giving up on things. Mm-hmm. And I told her I wouldn't. And mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't think I, I definitely don't think I have since then. Mm-hmm. I mean, I might not have taken jobs I had and I might've switched jobs, but all of those were for better opportunities, which I kind of see stopping basketball, retiring basketball as picking a better opportunity for mm-hmm. me to become the person that I want to be. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You have an, you have an understanding of where that comes from. All right. So let's talk about your future. Uh, I know you love what you're doing now, but is there a dream job that you have and where do you see yourself wanting to go? So this is interesting because people always ask me, you know, do you ever want to start your own firm? What do you want to do? And I definitely think I'm very self-reflective of a person. I, I know who I am. I know what I'm good at. And I love big picture and doing bigger projects like blog posts and, you know, helping on plans. I don't like like one off really tiny tasks, which I think being a business owner would be. Um, the nice thing about here is, you know, I'm not a business owner, but I, you've allowed me to own all of my own stuff. Like I get to own my clients, I get to own my blog. I, if I ever wanted to, I don't really ever see myself wanting to, I see myself wanting to maybe expand over time. Like, you know, as your client base is full and there's really, maybe there's no incentive to continue to add more, you know, maybe my following's bigger at that point and I can do bigger courses and I can help more people because I've always been the one to say that like, I don't want to just help the really rich get really, really, really rich. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to help the people that don't always get the help, which is where the millennials started. But if I could teach basic courses to help people, you know, get the foundational framework of financial planning down that I help people with, then I could help a larger number of people. And I think as I look back on my career later on and the legacy I want to have, I want to help as many people as I can. And finance was just such an easy way to do it because it relates to everybody. I want to make a prediction. I know you don't want to be a business owner today. I do think one day you will end RLS and I do think you'll start your own because the reason I think that is you are becoming more and more entrepreneurial. And as you become more and more entrepreneurial, you're going to value your freedom of being able to do more, not have to run things by me or get approval to do things, or maybe you want to do things different or you develop a different a different view of how you want to do some planning or investing that doesn't fully align with with my view. Yeah. So I don't envision it being a breakup per se. I envision it being you grow into this advisor, you have this this vision that you want to execute on, and while maybe RLS is not perfectly parallel, it's just enough of an angle to where it doesn't line up. So mm. I I do think because at that point all those little tasks you don't have to do. You'll be able to hire people to do those tasks yeah. for you. And then now you're in control. That's that's my prediction. So we'll see how it ages. Um, we'll because see. I never thought that initially I didn't think I wanted to own my own firm. I just wanted to go to the independent space. But then what I learned was back then the owning was the only way I was going to be able to do that. And then now that things have progressed and I've grown as a, as a person, as an advisor, like there's other things that that I want to do. And I think that's where you're going. I think that's what's going to happen with you. And I don't mean that in any negative way. And I'm not wishing that to happen. I'm not hoping it. But I just, I see a lot of me in you. And I know, I know where the growth is going to go. I know where the interests are going to lie. And I do think that eventually you'll have bigger things that you might want to add to your advisory practice that may not perfectly align, that it may at that time say, okay, then this, then I'm going to go start my own company. So I have the freedom and flexibility to fully do things the way I want to. And I don't think people think this is possible. It's possible to, to have a situation where that, where it's not a negative thing. Yeah. It's not negative to me. It's not negative to you. It's just, Hey, this is where life has taken us. 
um, and it's time for it to, to branch off. So I have no idea when that is. I just yeah. I think that's what it's going to be. Um, so, you know, is there a dream job outside of advisor or are you doing your dream job? Um, it, I don't know if there really is. I always say that if I, if I could have been a personal trainer and made good money doing it, I think that would always be an option just because, man, I love, I love fitness. I love working out. I love, it still is helping people accomplish their goals. The, it's just a little bit different, but I, it, it would be like the exact same structure, mm -hmm. build content, give stuff away for free, bring people in. But I just don't know if I would be as fulfilled on that side, even though I know health, like to me, I believe health is just as important as wealth. I, mm -hmm. I, I had a tweet a little bit ago that I think it's really, I don't know if I'd use the word dumb, but probably not the best choice to pick a job and make a ton of money at the expense of your health. Mm -hmm. Like then later on, you're just gonna have to put tons of money into your health that you maybe not even will be able to reverse. Mm -hmm. So that would be a different one. And then it's always easy to say like, man, it'd be cool to be like, uh, like a basketball trainer. Like I've always loved training people on like basketball workouts, not like lifting, but the actual like ball handling and doing all that again, very similar starting business. And I feel like any of these are transferable, but like with that, you got to, that way is way easier to go home. Mm -hmm. You go, and I don't really want to go back to Rockford. No, no offense to Rockford. It's just not, not the place I want to live my mm -hmm. adult life at. Fair. All right. So sticking with what you're doing now, since you're working with and helping millennials with their money, what are two or three things millennials can do to make the most impact with their money? Yeah, I wanted to tie money in here at least a little bit because the podcast, we don't really get too far into and people ask. But I think a few of the things that are most important, I think first and foremost is automate everything. Like I think this is literally like one of the ultimate cheat codes into setting yourself up for success is is to automate everything. We, we are humans. We forget to save. We forget to pay extra on the debt. We forget to pay off our credit card. Just there, we live in a world now that everything is easily able to be automated. So automate savings, investments, debt, everything. That that's number one. Two, I as something I keep talking about is on every time you have a job increase or a bonus, inflate your lifestyle half and then save and plan with the other half. It's something I, I try to do with my clients. We meet every single year around that time now, and we're gonna use that new money to plan because the, one of the biggest problems millennials have is anytime we get new money, we just inflate lifestyle. We spend more, we go out more, we have a nicer house, we have a nicer car, a nicer apartment, but we're not actually saving more, which is not setting yourself up for future success. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third one would just be that you have to invest. Like I, I, I think this just comes to to mind because recently a bunch of people are like, well, I'm scared of losing money. You know, I, I don't know if I really, you know, maybe I want to sit on 60,000 or 80,000 cash and you know, there are risk tolerances and there are advantages and, you know, it may make you feel good, but you can't save your way to a retirement. Like you can't just stow away cash and hope by the time you retire, that's going to be enough money. You're going to have to invest to stay ahead of inflation and just have your money grow to be able to accomplish those goals. All right. So we're going to end with five questions, although you only sent me four. So you may have to ask yourself the fifth mm, question. I cut one. Um, okay. So we'll go four questions. So we're going to end with. <laughs> Um, so this is, I, I didn't look at the questions beforehand because I'm such a pro at podcasting. I don't, yeah. need, to, I don't need to prep. Um, <laughs> so as you look back on your journey, is there anything you'd change? What would you do differently knowing what you know now? So I, I think the easy answer and the answer a lot of people have given so far is like, I would start creating content earlier and I would, if I was allowed to like at, at the, my last job, 
Now, I would not recommend this to anybody else, but I just did it. Like they were like, hey, you can't do this. And I would just post it. And then they would tell me a week later to take it down. I was like, well, at least it's been out for a week. And then I would take it down. Um, so I wish I could have started doing some of those things sooner. And the other thing is I wish I could have been in this model sooner. Like I, I hear from you and all these other advisors that are older that like you're so far ahead of where we were when we were 25 years old, which is a very good feeling, but it also would have been kind of cool to be 22 years old and have my first job in this space. But I know it's also really hard to get hired in the RIA space. There's, there's less jobs than in the sales side of it when they'll take anybody. I would tell you that your time spent in the sales side was valuable. Like I don't, yeah. I don't think you'd be better off if you'd have gone straight to RIA. Um, so I think that, that actually probably was the best path for you. And the other thing is I wouldn't have quit basketball earlier or anything because I think if I never played basketball in college, I would have huge regrets. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I did, gave it a try, realized I don't really want to anymore, and I was fully – I've never looked back and regretted it. Like I always miss high school basketball and like, you know, those state games and, you know, having tons of fans and all of that. But I don't regret the decision to not play after my freshman year. What are some things that you do to help you function at your best? Yeah. Um, I, I'm a very big proponent of fasting. Like I, I know there's mixed reviews on it, but for me, like not having food control my day and just being able to like get up and then eat whenever I have time at like 2 PM helps me. I have way more energy. I feel better. And then the other one is definitely just working out. Like I doing it since doing it since I was in eighth grade, you know, there's been periods where I was not good about it and man, I feel terrible. I'm worse at my job. I'm less productive. I'm more tired. Um, so definitely those are the, the two biggest things. If you could go back to your 18 year old self, what would you tell yourself? I think I would tell myself to, you know, we actually in the advisor growth community last week had somebody come and talk about fear. Mm-hmm. And I think there's always been fear in my life of like fear of not being good enough or fear of not being liked or fear of making wrong decisions. Um, I think I would tell myself just to trust your first instinct and go with it. And also to just continue to network and meet new people. I think I didn't take that seriously. And like, I would, I would go to the networking event that I had to go to, to leave, Mm -hmm. but I didn't do it with the right intentions until this last year. But this last year, my whole life has been uplifted from like better friendships to good people around me to, you know, more fulfillment in my job and attracting better clients, all of it because I've surrounded myself by better people that I can learn from. And so I, w- I would take the advice that my mom gave me, you know, when you're young, you're like, she's, you're like, oh, don't hang out with these people at school. Like they do bad things. And you're like, oh, it won't affect me. I'm my own person. But like the people that you're around really do affect you. And if you're around people that have good habits and have good behavior, they're going to uplift you. And then you can go do the same for others. And the final question is, what is one question you wish more people asked you? Oh, man, I, I just recently put that one on it, and it's such a hard one. I think I think I would almost go back to that last question and have people ask me what I wish I knew when I was younger. I know I'm still young, like very young, and I get that, but then I'm around other people and I feel old. But I, I think it would just be like, ask me... I, Actually, I, I wish more people asked me just questions about me. I feel like it's interesting when I go talk to people, like I am so interested in everybody in their life. And I feel like, you know, the the people that do that attract people. Like everybody wants, around, wants to be around other people that don't just care about themselves. Mm-hmm. And so 
maybe that's not the direct answer I was really looking for when I would ask the question, but I would just, I wish more people would ask me about me Mm -hmm. and not just like surface level stuff, because I think we'd all be better off if we cared to get to know people and you know why they are the way they are. I like it. All right. So this is the outro part. I don't know how you like to usually end it. So uh, I'll let you take us out. So this is, yeah, normally it's where I found follow on social yeah, media, which follow you. hopefully everybody follows. I hope people subscribe and, and leave a review. And I just thank everybody for being a part of the audience. I know the podcast is the hardest one to get a lot of people to listen to when it's 45 minutes to an hour, but you know, crossing a thousand downloads was pretty cool for me because all these other advisors I've talked to were like, you know, my first year I averaged 20 or 30. I think even Taylor said that like his first year he averaged like 30 mm-hmm. per, but now he has what, 30,000 downloads a month or something I just saw. Yeah. And so again, I just take that advice from older people and, you know, celebrate my successes because I'm somebody that can really be forward thinking and just only care about being where you're at and like, how do I get there? But I also want to stop and celebrate milestones as they come. And this was one of them. So thanks for helping me do this. As you said, congratulations on a thousand. There'll be thousands of more to come uh, afterwards. So make sure you follow Thomas um, and subscribe. And like you said, give some reviews and help this podcast be found by more people. So I appreciate you allowing me to come back and interview you again. And I'll let you take us out. Well, I, I appreciate you doing that. So well, everybody have a good rest of your week and we'll be back next month. Thanks for listening.